0: You're listening to All Things Video, a podcast dedicated to uncovering the past and charting the future of the online video ecosystem. This episode is brought to you by Feldspar Ventures, an incubator studio that transforms early stage media properties into multimedium entertainment franchises. Their team is passionate about transforming a creator's vision into reality and commercial success. To learn more, visit feldsparventures.com
1: are listening to all things video. We're your hosts Sarah Ullman and James Creech. Thank you, James. And today we're joined by Gabe Corden who is managing partner at Meach a creative agency focused on social video. Welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Yes, we are very excited to uh, have you on the show. I feel like James has talked to such a wonderful variety of people, but I think your perspective in particular will be really interesting as branded content plays such a huge role in keeping our ecosystem going.
2: Yes, Um, and and hopefully uh, we can show up. Brands can contribute to that more.
1: Yes. <laughs> just to start out, just some basic stuff. Um, when people ask you, what do you do? How do you usually respond?
2: Nowadays, I say we're a creative agency for social media. Before, it was a YouTube agency, a strategy agency. Um, it's taken all sorts of turns throughout the years.
1: Can you talk about like why? what is the evolution? Bet? I mean, When you talked about those different terms, why did you change from those?
2: I think the market, you know, on the brand side is uh, finally matured. You know, when we started four years ago, every meeting we took was, why should I be on YouTube? Why do I need an agency for that? Why does my digital agency not already cover that? Now people understand why you need to have a different perspective for social video, why you need to have a different resource um, to work with influencers, and, and really how that's different than, what current existing creative media and social agencies are
0: providing. I'm curious, how do you define social video and why do you choose that term rather than online or digital video?
2: So, online and digital video still very much incorporates advertisements. Uh, I think the distinction of social is from the beginning, we were always a shop that wanted to create content that people chose to watch and chose to share.
1: Can you talk a little bit about the education work you do with brands or what I like to call God's work? A lot of the hand-holding and sort of explanation of what this space is and best practices. And I know that's a big part of uh, what REACH does for its clients.
2: Yeah, I think part of our job is making sure the clients understand the rules of the game. And if they understand the rules of the game, then that really allows us as an agency to be creative. So from knowing, you know, when their brand should be in there to knowing how long people normally watch videos, if brands know this, we can pitch ideas that might be longer form. Anything we can do to break the norm of the traditional advertisement and put in new different types of talents, do different types of formats. So the education is really key for us on really letting us do our job. Yeah. What
1: format does the education usually take? Like, is it meeting in like, worksheets? Do you have
2: people? You know? <laughs> Look, I think as an agency, we say make powerful content, not PowerPoints. That being said, you know, I think, you know, to, to some degree we have to do white papers, you know. For example, when Amazon just um, made changes to their video platform, we will do a simple one-sheet that can be distributed and shared within within an organization so that people can quickly get up to speed on something. We also have a lot of conversations. It's really about one to one conversations. And then we do things like we bring clients to VidCon. Um, a lot of times, people actually seeing bands and creators in the same space is the most powerful thing for them to understand why it's important to be social, why it's important to create
0: a certain level of content. So VidCon just happened this past week. Did you guys bring some clients down with you this year? We had about 12 this year. And I noticed you spoke as well. What were some of the the key takeaways that you highlighted for people when you spoke? So I did two panels. I did a creator panel
2: titled How to Bake a Brand Deal. And we took creators through um, a year-long partnership we had with My Cupcake Addiction and Nestle Toll House. And the objective of that was really to give creators an inside look at how to do deals. way. So just as we were trying to get brands to make the right type of content for the social space, we wanted to really explain to creators that you can have partnerships with brands that are beyond uh, putting a product in your video on your channel. And that it could be recipe creation. It could be, you know, distributing content. It could be being a strategist for brands. We look at creators for, for what their real talent is. And we, we think they're sort of mini agencies in the future and they're beyond a media unit and reach to an audience.
1: Can you um, go into that comparison of, uh, or creators as mini agencies? Do you see uh, creators eventually growing big enough to compete with someplace like Reach Agency? What do you see? How do you see the distinction between? What Reach does and what a, a creator who built out their business does. And then also, how does Reach distinguish itself from other creative agencies?
2: Yeah, we actually built our agency model around sort of this next generation of creators. Uh, if you think about it, they're channel experts, they, they're they into the data, they know when they should upload, they know all the metrics behind it, they know links, formats, et cetera. They're creative, right? They're coming up with ideas, they're coming up with shows. Um, they're actually producing them. They're, they're producers as well. And they're, they're managing audiences. So they really are um, vertically integrated. And that's something we took to heart um, with building the agency. You couldn't just have the typical silos that you see in these legacy agencies. Of, here's the account team. Here's the strategists. Here's the creatives. And none of them could talk to each other. It's it's really knowing all elements of that that you're really able to to excel. So in that regard, yeah, I think um, creators can absolutely help brands because they know everything. It's you know whether they want to do the powerpoints and, and help brands along sometimes. So yeah.
1: and then what about the distinction between Reach and other um, sort of other agencies that might call themselves social video agencies? What if, like you know if, if I'm if there's two people pitching the same client, why does Reach win the business? Do you think?
2: Uh, interesting question. I don't know. I think what we tell people is we were born in this world. You know, we're four years old. We were doing influencer deals before there were influencer deals. You know, We started off making content for brands that was 100% organic. I got millions you know, and millions of views organically. And we studied what worked um, from a creative perspective. We didn't, like other agencies out there, we don't rely on media units to distribute our content. But with that background, once you put media on it, it's it's really um, an amazing experience for grants and, and it works. So um, we're just native. You know, everybody talks about native. We're native. We were born in it. We're small. We're nimble. we're smaller than
0: every agency that we compete against, yet we do just as much work. I can attest to that. I'm interested in this model that you talked about with my cupcake addiction and Nestle Tollhouse of doing an annual, a year long partnership in which several pieces of creative work produced rather than just a one off campaign. How do you build a relationship like that? And why is that a a recipe for success?
2: You know, look, I think with like any relationships, you know, uh, brands aren't just buying people. They're partnering with people. And especially if you have a strong connection with a large baking influencer and a large baking brand, it it makes sense to invest in that relationship. So just like dating, you might have a couple meetings. You might get to meet the friends of other people before you move in with each other, before you know your relationship escalates. And I think we know there's efficiency in, um, and, and better success in working with people long-term. Too, too often do brands go do a great partnership with somebody and then don't do it again. And the analogy we make for brands is uh, you wouldn't just hire every agency on a one project basis. Uh, the best agencies are the ones that get in, get to know you, really get to understand your brand and then can elevate the storytelling. That perspective. So that was really the
0: driver behind this, and this was signed off from the top levels. We recently had Taryn Southern on the podcast who said much of the same thing from a creator standpoint that I think we're moving towards an opportunity for creators to have a deeper relationship with brands, like the work that she's done with Marriott, right? Where it's almost more of a ongoing sponsorship and she can share with her fans, her community, the ethos of the brand and also do travel campaigns with them, et cetera. So it seems like it's been really Absolutely. And
2: Marriott is one of our clients as well. And I know Taryn, love her work. I think it's an evolution that brands are eventually going to start becoming more patrons rather than sponsors, really understanding and caring about what these creators want to do in their own regard and allowing them to help tell their story, but then allowing them to really um, help tell the brand story as well.
1: (laughs) I like that distinction, the patron um, as opposed to being a sponsor. Um, it's right, it's a callback to the Medici's and the sort of an enabling art. Um, can you talk about when a brand becomes a patron for a creator, how does the brand see that um, ROI on their investment in the creator? What, is, what comes back to the brand and why do they choose to spend that money as a patron rather than a sponsor?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, ROI is a very big discussion. I think it's people who are really it's still new media, you know, YouTube, social, social video, it's still new. It's definitely not the same production level or infrastructure that traditional entertainment was in. And so if you're a Marriott or if you're a Purina or you're an Nestle and you need to advance the level of storytelling or the quality of content in a certain area, this is how to do it. It's really investing in the top creators. It's making sure that you're helping them achieve their dreams and maybe be part of that as well. You know, So if a creator has an idea to do a great big award show, if you invest in them to maybe make sure that happens, you can not only have ownership, but you can also now be a leader in that area and help bring that to life.
1: And how do you think, sort of taking a more tactical look at this question, how do you brands choose to define success, what metrics are they using um, for a campaign? You know, Let's take the example you just used, you know, if there's an word show, that's helped, um, what are the metrics that brands are looking at to say, like, yes, this achieved success, period, right? What does that mean?
2: Every conversation I've had with every brand is different,
1: you Yeah. Know? Um,
2: and I think that's sort of good because before people just had a common expectation of here's what's good. And I think um, people understand that every deal is different and that there's not a common expectation. And it's really about using the data that's widely available in this space and really setting expectations up front. So yeah. um, that can really go from brand awareness to you know, view and audience delivery um, to you know, where there's the right scenario, clicks on sales. Overall, it's, it's really, it really varies by the product, what, what type of campaign what they're trying to achieve.
0: What are some common mistakes you see brands making in this world of social video?
2: You know, I think I think a lot of brands make a lot of mistakes with influencers right now. I think um, everybody goes after them for their audience size. And the reality is, even if you have a big influencer who's going to get a video of 5 million views for you, the reality that the, your target within those 5 million views is any significant percentage is small. And if you're a big brand and you're trying to reach a massive amount of people, that's not much to you, actually. So, um, which is why we go back to look at them for their storytelling, for their content. Don't necessarily necessarily rely on them for their audience alone. And they shouldn't be optimizing for that. It should be more about, does the person reflect the brand? Does their tonality embrace, you know, what you're trying to achieve? You know, are they likable? Can you grow with this person over time versus they got low engagement rates,
1: you know? Can you talk about a campaign? Maybe it's not, uh, you can use discretion about specifics, but can you talk about a campaign where uh, it did get low engagement and how you talked to the client about it at the end of it? I mean what was Don't the... do anything.
2: Wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right? I mean what what happened and how do you how do you do a post, you know, a post report, a wrap report.
2: So I think, you know, what we do is what's more important than the wrap up report is managing expectations up front. So what well, a common mistake is if you work with three creators who each have 5 million subscribers, the client might think you're going to get 15 million views. right? Uh, we all know that's not true. And so I think what we do is before we go into a campaign, we'll do an audit to see how influencer is performing um, across all channels and say, based on our ask, here's an estimation of what we think you'll get. And by doing that, we're not only educating them as to you know, what to expect, but showing them how we're using strategy to optimize on what we're asking them to do. So if someone's getting higher engagement on a certain channel, we might ask them to do more on that channel versus maybe what their primary channel is at the time. And by doing that, when we then go to our campaign wrap up report, they know what to expect. And if it performs more than that, they we know why.
1: And if it performs less than that, are you able to, what are the, the tools that you use to determine why? Do you, are, are you, are you? Never
2: <laughs> <laughs> you, know, honestly, we haven't been in that situation, but yeah. uh, I think, I think it's, it's playing the spread. Right. So, where we, we don't just tell them a single number, we say it between X and X and Y. And, right. And we're very conservative in our estimates. Yeah. Um, again, we're not paid on delivery. We're an agency resource that's there to really best advise them. Mm-hmm. So it's no advantage for us to inflate the numbers. Right, right.
1: You mentioned a channel audit. What is that? Uh, what metrics do you look at when you're auditing a channel? What should creators be aware of that uh, that agencies and advertisers are looking at when they have their look at their channels?
2: Yeah, I think it's it's your reach. It's who you're reaching. It's how many people are engaging with you. Um, you know, and we look for obvious things like if you're reaching a lot of people but no one's engaging with your videos. There's something out there. You know. We want to see people who have engaged audiences. We want to see people who are on the rise. We want to be part of something that we know works for you. So if we know you do big videos on Wednesdays. We want to be part of the Wednesday video. We don't want to be part of the Monday video.
0: What are the platforms that are relevant to brands? Is it you know more established, YouTube and Facebook that they're requesting? Are they looking to do more emerging platforms like Snapchat, Vine, etc.? I think brands are good.
2: They've come a long way. Like They won't just say, we need to do something on Snapchat because Snapchat's really cool right now. I think they all want to do something on it, but brands are smart. Brands uh, want to be on platforms that they know their consumers on. So it depends. You know, an estate Tollhouse who's looking for a younger know, millennial mom, this can be more about Instagram and Facebook. You know, for different brands who might be like a Hot Pocket, more into gamers, it might be like Twitch and YouTube. You know, it all depends on who they're attracting, right? But I would say it depends on the
0: media mix of the end consumer, what their passions are so it's interesting you mentioned twitch how are brands reacting to live streaming are they comfortable with it or are they worried about potential brand safety issues or other concerns with not performing content
2: all of the above it's live tv so it's actually this is more familiar to brands than i think a lot of the other formats in in social video because they're used to it they're used to the today show integrations they're used to the um, from a PR perspective, you know, getting picked up on morning shows and new shows, et cetera. I think they're trying to figure out what role it plays from a digital channel perspective. And frankly, I think creators and platforms are trying to figure out what role it plays. Reach
1: has done several successful brand integrations with companies like Soul Pain, Geek, and Josh. What drives those type of types of partnerships?
2: Partnerships are all about having a good partner. With a good partner, you can create success on any level. Both Jash and Soul Pancake were incredible partners that not only took time to really understand the brand and understand what they needed from a storytelling perspective, but were always there throughout every element of the process and, and made sure it was right. And really looked at it as a mutual success. I think that's the key. You know, same way we look at partnering with our clients. Um, what's great today is people know it affects both people, right? And it really going into it saying
0: we both want a success here. Yeah. When you were starting Reach. It seems like the model has always been full service, right? And why did you choose to do the strategy, the production, the promotion? In some cases, it sounds like paid media buying, channel management as well. Why not just focus on one or two core areas?
2: So we actually started just doing strategy. Um, it was me and my partner, and that's all we could do. Uh, and it was also a time where people were learning about this area. As we scaled, we brought on one. Like So our second vertical that we brought on was channel management analytics, because we found that once you were managing some of the channel, you had the data to then inform creative and content decision making, versus just pulling that data from out the ethos. From there, uh, we knew what to make, uh, driving the strategy, Now we just had to make it. And so um, we started taking on smaller production projects and um, seeing how we were at that, and
0: we got there. So Sounds like a pretty natural evolution. Yeah, it's good. And are there any tools that you use today that help you with, whether it's the channel management and analytics or, you know, the contracting people for doing the production stuff? How do you handle those pieces?
2: Yeah, tools have played a pretty big role in analytics. I think there's a lot of partners out there who have access to the back end of Facebook and YouTube and really will allow us to, you know, as a campaign is going live, seeing what watch time is and who's engaging, where they're engaging from and really, really change the brand process. Brands typically will do a recap report three months after a campaign is done. And for us to be able to have a live dashboard to see how stuff's performing in real time from influencer content to own content is incredible. Um, I think it's really changing the way brands not only plan, but you know even change their ability to affect creative, you know mid campaign, which is a huge leap for them.
1: Gabe, YouTube versus Facebook isn't really a versus. Are they in competition or are they not?
2: It depends what perspective. From the brand perspective, yes, they both have audiences and they both have video products. Inherently, though, they're different. Their uh, YouTube is much more. Programming, creator-focused, they're really creating the next generation of content and entertainment and creators. Facebook is implementing a video product into an already robust social platform.
1: So when you say that they are integrating a video product into an already robust social platform, can you talk to me about how you think they're going to monetize for creators on Facebook because... There are a whole, there's a whole generation of creators that have existed on the platform without uh, being video based, right? You think of people like who run pages like I Fucking Love Science or God or all these funny Facebook pages that people really engage with and love, and they're they're creators too. How does Facebook tackle the challenge of monetizing for creators when not everybody's making video that's retaining users on their platform?
2: It's an interesting dilemma, right? You also have Amazon now who's allowing uh, creators as individuals to monetize. And I'm by no means a media strategist, but why does Facebook need to monetize on a creator level? What they're doing right now, think about how they're act, interacting with publishers. They care more about publishers than they do about creators at this point. So why aren't they just the typical TV network syndication? They're providing the audience the distribution and different people can come in and lease that if they want it or not.
1: Do you think that Facebook might never monetize on an individual uh, creator basis? I
2: don't know. So they're so far behind the game there. Um, you know, the biggest people are publishers and celebrities on Facebook. Uh, traditional influencers, um, it's going to be really hard for them to get a rev shit off of that.
1: So when you're advising a brand, what, say with, if you have a, an essay toll house campaign, how do you decide which platform to put assets on or to create for and um, what does the strategy look like if you want to do
2: across both platforms yeah for for any brand it's first who's the consumer where do they consume right so if it's toll house it could be Facebook and Instagram for hot buckets it could be you know twitch and YouTube and I think then the second thing is what type of content should be on each one of those platforms you know, If you're looking at an essay tool house, Toolhouse, um, you're going to do an inspirational recipe on Instagram. And you might be doing something that's more in-depth or an entertainment show on a YouTube, like where we have day My Day.
1: I think YouTube versus Facebook is a lot about viewership numbers and a lot about PR of this is how many views Facebook is getting every day. This is how many views YouTube is getting every day. This is how many hours of video. You know, it's a lot about
0: the vanity metrics, about
1: about numbers. Can you break it down for us in your opinion? What's real when we talk about numbers? Well, when you read a headline, like help us be media literate in terms of thinking about uh, numbers on, on Facebook and numbers on YouTube.
2: Yeah, I think the devil is always in the details, right? So Facebook counts a view as three seconds versus YouTube counts a view as 30 seconds. You know, it's really how many people are watching video there or is it really, you know, changing social movement at a high level? Yes, there's tons of video on Facebook and, you know, there are some early successes like Tasty is a great property that BuzzFeed built that was born on Facebook, made for Facebook, and it's huge. And it's, you know, not you can talk to everybody, someone's seen it. YouTube still has 10 years of programmatic approach to content, you know, having an evolution from UGC to now having an s program and, you know, investing in things like VR. Everybody can compete on live. and I think we have to understand there's certain formats that will be across every platform. It's just what are people going to the platform for? That's, that's what I always come back to you as a marketer. As, as what do you know this platform for? There will always be innovations: three hundred and sixty video, VR, or whatever's next. Those will be across every platform.
1: When you talk about YouTube as uh, having its strength in um, the development of creators and, and programming um, from a programmatic perspective, what do you think about the first batch of the YouTube original content? Did you like it? I mean, did you check any of it out? Like, what what did you? Yeah. Okay, Okay. it's interesting because it, some people are, are pretty critical of of the content itself and sort of think it's reflective of a tech company trying to be a programmer. And so I think it's... You know,
2: though I think I'd be easy about that. Again, this is a whole new generation of a new creative class, and this is just the beginning, you know. And so, one, the fact that YouTube and a platform is putting a ridge of their money into the content is amazing. Yeah. Number two, it will get better. It always gets better. Every time someone does something from the first time, it's not that good. And then you'll have your breakout successes and then people will learn what works. Your content finds an audience and what YouTube's going through is that process now.
1: Is it possible to achieve a brand objective in a three-second Facebook view?
2: I don't think so. You have to have the right messaging for the right content in the right line. You know, I think we're very, we know the six-second media unit is not going away. Um, they're short attention spans, they're very efficient. So what our agency has been me focused on is what should be in a six second ad. What should it be? What should it make, it, make you stop in your feet or you don't even have to stop? Just what you see is what you're getting out of it. And I think a lot of that is actually a deeper question which is does every piece of content a brand creates have to say everything they're trying to say or is it really about the sum as a whole? Right? Um, can a six-second spot only maybe trigger appetite appeal marketing food, or, or show you something that gets you interested? in Versus you know longer-form content on different channels, which will take you deeper down into product attributes, you know, um, understanding occasions, that kind of stuff. Other other communications priorities.
1: When you talk about you know, for example, triggering appetite appeal. How many times do you have to trigger appetite appeal to get someone to buy a pizza?
2: I do not know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I, I, I mean, look, it's, it's human behavior, right? Like, uh, so put tasty videos, right? Tasty videos are all about the, the creation of something, right? Like giving a high level on the steps of how to create a recipe so that you feel it's attainable, but then you're like, hey, this looks good. Sometimes you
0: just need to show the thing that looks good. What do you think of this overall trend of some brands thinking of themselves as media companies? How do you counsel them if they want to develop IP or have other product goals on these social media platforms?
2: That's, that's where I geek out. I love it if you find a brand that actually is taking charge of that. End of day, brands are funding all the rep shares from creators. They're funding publishers. It's, it's the biggest part that's broken in the whole media system. It's all still funded by brands, right? Consumers and consumers' contributions to that. Is, is minuscule, um, especially in the digital environment. And I've always worked on the brand side, creating content for them. So I'm a huge advocate in you know the ability for brands to create content that can be monetized. Can they can be their own studios? They don't need to rely on partners. I definitely think that's the future.
1: What's a, a recent um, compelling example of that, um, that
2: that you've worked on? has yeah, done a fantastic job. I think GoPro is doing the same thing especially with GoPro and Red Bull together. And it's not just about the fact that a camera or a, you know, Red Bull has to be in every video. It's the lifestyle. It's it's them creating and developing their own audience and using creative and video to do that.
1: This is a little bit bit of a cheesy uh, softball, but I'm curious to see what you say. Proudest moment as a founder of a, a social video agency and least proud moment.
2: The product I've had was we created our, one of our first big projects for Chash. It was meant for digital and it got released and it did so well. The brand put it through testing and actually decided to put on TV as a Grammy's TV spot. <laughs> From what I hear, it was the least expensive project to be the most expensive piece of media they had bought at the time. I think that was a true testament of an, a light bulb you know, to me, whereas creating stuff that's meant to be social and stuff that people want to watch to have huge success um, and
0: really cross-platform. And not just within digital, but from digital to television. And some people talk about digital offering an opportunity to test different creative concepts so you get that market response and can tweak the the content before it goes live. Is that... What happened here, or did you guys just catch you know, lightning in a bottle? What was kind of the recipe? Of that? I think
2: we caught lightning in a bottle, but I think this opened up the whole new world to us. Um, you think about traditional TV process, it's all about creating animatics, sometimes spending more than it costs to create a video, to test it. The focus groups who are for real people, but aren't really real people in a real environment. And the ability to really flip all television, television distributions model on its head and really say, hey, everything's gonna be digital first. If things perform, it will boil, it will level up to TV is a really interesting way to think about how um, digital
0: can change overall marketing communications. So now I want to hear the other end of <laughs> Sarah's <laughs> question. <It is. laughs> what are some of the hardest moments or challenges that you face as an entrepreneur? creating your own agency in the face of what, four kind of media modelists that have been in the agency business for decades? Yeah, I think, look, first
2: and foremost, I think we're, we're really lucky. We're 15 people, we have amazing clients, um, and, and big clients. Uh, the hard part, I think, is just the current state of the industry. You know, when I started, it was just the original intention for the agency was a YouTube agency. No one else was doing it then it became social video, right? And, you know, when there used to be two players, now there's 10. So it's the uh, the frustrating part, I guess, is we used to get to know something and do it really well. The only thing you get to know and do really well is adapt, right? And I think that's the name of the game now. And so, you know, with every platform now launching video, it's always on to the next, on to the next, where I think there is an opportunity or, you know, I wish there was more of an opportunity to really Say, let's just own this and do really well at this and and get in and move that ball forward more than just the initial test and
0: get get our efficiency at it. With so many different platforms and now, you know, media strategies, whether that's traditional, you've got social video, you've got other kind of digital agency partners that can help you, what's the future of the agency model? Are brands going to take some of that control back and do things in house? Are they going to continue to work with multiple partners? How do they manage that?
2: Yeah, if you look over the years, There's always been a love-hate relationship with brands and agencies. Uh, Agencies were originally developed to be objective and be outside the walls of the brand. And agencies and creative departments were originally inside brands to the first place. And so it's always gone back and forth. And I definitely think we're going back to a model of, especially with social and having to have authentic voices from the brand, bringing a lot of things back in-house, um, and then the creator the production model have definitely changed as well. And I think we've, we've definitely developed our agency knowing that we are always gearing for the chief content officer. We always are here to help amplify um, an internal content team's needs um, or lead them where there's an opportunity. So I definitely think that's, that's changing.
0: Let's wrap up with some rapid fire questions. Uh, the first thing I'm curious about are your predictions, whether that you know is from a brand marketer's chair or just for the industry as a whole. What do you think is going to happen in the next three to five years?
2: Video is exploding. Everybody's going to be doing video. they're going to be doing more of it and
0: better video. All video all the time? All video all the
1: time. That's all all things video.
0: <laughs> what books have you read recently that you just couldn't put down? <laughs> <laughs> Too much. So, so what do you do instead of reading books? Are there other ways that you consume content or... Learn.
2: Game of Thrones. Yes, I watch Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I think, you know, I just, I like to live on social channels as much as I can and really understand it. You know, uh, having a firm grasp is, is key to really understanding uh, not only having that relation to your clients and being an expert, but knowing where things are going.
0: If you were starting a business in the social video space today, what would you do and why?
2: I think there's a lot of opportunity and more the technology that's, that's powering all of this. There's always going to be yeah. human connection. And creative will always be creative and not driven by technology, but there's so many things from analytics to,
0: you know, tools just for for better project management that can, I think, help us as an industry move forward quicker and faster. Where can people find out more about you and more about Reach Agency?
2: Uh, They can check out any of my social channels or go to reach.agency.
0: Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, it was great to learn a little bit more from an agency perspective, from someone who started with the thesis that video is going to consume the majority of media attention. And how can you help brands leverage that, think like a creator, act like a creator, and find success on YouTube, Facebook, and beyond? Yep, that's it. Very cool. I learned a lot, so thanks again. Thanks for tuning in. This has been another edition of All Things Video. If you like what you hear, We hope you'll share and subscribe for new episodes. See you next time.